billion people inhabit planet Earth. Of those alive today, only a small number will leave a lasting impact. And only the very few will make decisions or take actions that renew their homeland and change the course of history. So there's a clip from a movie that Trump had produced and gave to Little Fathead. Oh, 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 that was Little Fathead they were talking about in the narration. So they put together this movie called uh, One Moment, One Choice. What if the future remains to be written? That's Um, way too rambly a title. uh, Maybe it sounds better in Korean. Call it One Moment. But so it's got that whole vibe to it and and images and everything like that, that only so many people have ever stood atop the world and made decisions that affect billions of people on the planet and presented this to the to 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 the the weirdo, you know, obviously to hopefully get him to feel like, you know what, I am going to be a lasting figure in world history. It's not quite just that I haven't watched the full video. I've seen about a half of it, uh, but it seems from what I've seen and what from other people are reporting that this is not necessarily the video talking about him. It is talking about him and Trump together, that we are these people that Uh, are changing, et cetera, et cetera. Right. We are the great men of history. Yeah. It's an appeal that's been made uh, more than once and gotten people to do things. Wow. The narrator then says there can only be two results, one of moving back and then a jet fighter takes off from a U.S. aircraft or moving forward that shows lights blazing across a map of North Korea. Cranes cranes working on skyscrapers, tall buildings, and high-rise buildings along a dazzling beach. That is really interesting. It comes down to a choice on this day, in this time, at this moment, said the narrator. Wow, so they actually went with the aircraft carrier plane taken off as a, this is what happens if you go the other direction. And we'll be talking to Ian Bremmer in a couple minutes about all of that stuff. Interesting stuff. What he thinks of the early, early parts of the negotiation. can talk more about the New York Times blasting Trump as uh, getting nothing out of the deal, outmaneuvered, worse than previous deals. Well, previous deals were a joke. Well, we'll see. So Amazon's sending a message to a couple of thieves who stole a lot, $750,000 worth of Amazon stuff. Wow. This is what they do, a married couple. How'd they manage that? They stole more than 2,700 electronics from Amazon, including Apple MacBooks, Samsung smartwatches, and GoPro cameras, by demanding free replacements for products they wrongly claimed as faulty. The 38-year-olds used hundreds of false identities to order and pick up items at locations all across the state. They're pretty good at their job. I'll give them that. They are pretty good. They got caught. Um, And now Amazon, they're going to jail and Amazon's sticking them with $1.2 million in restitution. So when they ever do get out, they'll be working to pay off Amazon for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And they're sending the message, Amazon, that is that you're not going to get away with this. Don't do it. Wow. That's crazy. You know, it's funny. I... I hear about various scams like that, and I always get hung up on, well, where do they send this stuff, or what What address do I give? That's why I'm not a criminal. <laughs> well, and at what point do you quit? If you keep going, you're going to get caught with this exactly. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, they just stayed at the slot machine, the roulette table, a little too long, evidently, because they were way, way, way ahead. Yeah, Don't you tr- lay low for a couple of years, then maybe get back to it? I don't know. The trouble with almost all plans of this sort is... It's it's not enough money to spend the rest of your life living on a yacht and drinking Cristal. Right. I mean, so unless you're going to go back to work and have a nest egg, which isn't usually the plan of thieves, I, I don't know what you're hoping to accomplish. How about if I just live on a bass boat and drink beer? 
How much money does that take? Well, you, they, they had enough money for that. Yeah. But winning. Most of your thieves aren't content with that lifestyle. So I don't know what you. I never understand what the end game is for most thieves. How do you think this is going to play out over time? I think it's funny that you think they have end games in mind. Is that the problem? Yeah. Yeah. And again, the Joe Getty principle, which I kind of stole from my buddy, FBI agent, is that if you have contemplated a life of crime, that's proof that you're not smart enough for a life of crime. In the vast majority of cases. Okay. So a rare a rare occasion of being me being uh, smart on some level is that I I always think through these th- sort of things and think, okay, so where's it? You robbed the bank. You hear somebody you're out of bank, you got $25,000. What are you going to do with $25,000? Oh, I'm going to get a jet ski, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fun for Maybe this weekend. Two. What are you going to do next weekend? I mean, I just it never makes any sense to me. Yeah, get a motorcycle. <laughs> Oh, yeah. See, I'm just a little surprised that Amazon, which is now a multinational uh, non-state actor, which is usually a term you use to describe ISIS and that sort of thing, and that was intentional. They, I'm surprised that they're content to work through the legal system. I'm surprised these two people's heads just don't appear like on mailboxes, you know? <laughs> There's severed noggins, or, or you know, or something worse. There's it's a, a message. Uh, proof of life video sent out. Wow. They're in some hole somewhere. Help us, please, help us. And then it cuts. That's all you get. So uh, one other note I wanted to hit you with, because we're going to do Marshall's news first, so we can fit in Ian Bremmer talking about North Korea. Shaking up the format a little bit. TV is on the outs. We've been saying radio. We've been saying TV's a fad for years, and yeah. that radio's where it's at. Absolutely true. The future is radio. Um, TV is headed the wrong direction, often by double digits. So they have the numbers since 2014 viewership. I'll start at the bottom. Hold on. Oh, God bless you. Soul is trying to escape from my understanding of superstitions. Who can blame it? My soul is trying to escape. Yeah, exactly. A&E, they got a lot of your big hit shows, right? They make good shows. Yeah. They're down 40% in viewership since 2014. (laughs) Four years? You can't stay in business with those numbers. Wow. If, it, if it continues, and there's no reason to think it's not. Uh, or or you just fall back on uh, poorly uh, reenacted Viking you know, battles, that sort of thing, because <laughs> you got a fair amount of that there. A&E down 40%. TLC, the learning channel, down <clears throat> 38%. And Learn about really fat people and hoarders. And co-joined people. That's right. The uh, Learning Channel. Animal Planet's down 36%. Nickelodeon's down 34%. Lifetime, 34 Disney, 33 Discovery, 32 USA, 31 Fox, 28% since 2014. I mean, wow. that, that's huge. If you're down 5% in that period of time, you have big board meetings with all the important people to see how to turn it around because you're worried it's going the wrong direction. Sure. Or the growth is not enough. They're going down by 30, 40%. That's incredible. History Channel down 28. FX 27. Paramount 26. TBS 23. E21. Food Network 20. CBS is down 13%. ABC's down 12. NBC's down 6. NBC Sports was actually up, but that's an anomaly or it's misleading in that they had the Super Bowl and the Olympics. Yeah, they bought a bunch of properties. So, you know, if there's some way to compare that rise with their expenditures, I wonder if it would look like a win. Or not. I don't know. You can't have the Olympics every year. It's just the way it works. But Right. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So, TV's really going the wrong direction. So, does that mean we're going to get start getting crappier programming? Or it's oh, all going to be where you pay for it somehow with the yeah. subs- subscription? I suspect the latter. And if you were to include all of the various streaming services, you know, TV's down. But, but is it? Is looking at stuff on a screen down? Probably not. It's probably up. No, these are all traditionally the... 
the things that are affected by the cable cutting. And during peak cable era, when every household in America practically had a cable, at least a cable package, if not a bundle of several things, so much of these networks' monies were tied directly to those cable subscription things. There was a certain amount of dollars that you paid to your monthly cable bill that went directly to these TV networks. Mm -hmm. And as the cable cutting began that revenue source dried up a lot of these people struggled to then make good programming when they didn't have the budget mm. to do it that's yeah. interesting so it builds on itself that way yeah well yeah there is a, uh, kind of a death spiral but even if that weren't true they'd still be plunging yeah. in viewership oh yeah there's uh, we have a lot of college interns out at our place for a variety of reasons and none of them could even imagine why you would have a cable package I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's gone from i'm a cable cutter to what are you even talking about right for the really young crowd yeah yeah i wonder why i still have what i have habit well and, our, our job situation is a little different yeah i have to have all the news channels right. but one right. of the unintended side effects of being a cable i've recognized it has made it more kind of gathering tv viewing right like i went to a friend's house to watch some finals games or you know you you kind of gather around and you have these more social experiences when you're watching these things that that, that, i'll pay a lot of money to avoid that the last thing you want good lord i gotta be with people what is this the 80s can i just realize the other day when i was on the plane that i still have a a hulu subscription i bought a hulu subscription years ago Mm. i don't think i've ever watched a show on hulu oh my but since i've got it i thought i should watch at least one show and they had the wiener documentary which i'm about halfway through yeah holy crap is that thing amazing former united states congressman ironically named anthony wiener who liked his show is his hog the gals don't you know it is among the most surreal things i've ever seen it is amazing and uh if you just like politics and scandals and and uh the way people try to handle scandals and all that sort of stuff it's really good but he uh if you remember the story he'd got caught sexting people had to resign a congress as a congressman Stayed married to Hillary Clinton's best friend, Huma Abedin. Huma Wiener. Then ran for mayor and probably would have become the mayor of New York City. Really? What happened? And I think Anthony Wiener was a guy that was going to run for president someday. And he's good. But then he he kept showing his erections to to people on the Twitter. And it happened while the documentary was going on. Yeah, teenage girls. And once posing with his one-year-old. Look at Maraud. With the one-year-old in the picture. Ah! So in the ah! midst. So the weird thing is, so in the midst of the documentary. Which was designed to be his character rehabilitation. His big comeback thing. special, right? Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to show that, you know, I made mistakes. I'm a different person. But look, I'm going to fight for your values in New York. And that is all 100% true. He'd have been a great mayor of New York for liberal values. But they keeps sending pictures of his junk to high school girls. This all breaks during the documentary. And instead of him saying, okay, documentary's off, obviously. He keeps it going. And there's a camera in the room as his wife's finding this stuff out. And they're discussing it. And it's so crazy. How is this possibly being filmed and then released? (laughs) How is that even possible? I'm uncomfortable hearing you describe it. It's got to be a squirmy watch. Even if you lost your mind enough to allow the cameraman in the room while you're having that conversation with your wife, which I can't imagine how that would happen. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You over there with the camera and the boom microphone over our heads. Yeah. You're recording this. How about we cut that off? Even if you allowed that to happen, you'd think at some point, I don't want this to air. What good does that do me? My life is over. Such is the <laughs> incomprehensible <laughs> egotism yeah. of the politician. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Hubris remains the most fascinating of human conditions. Yeah. 
God dang it, it's entertaining. Anyway, what do you got coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we got another North Korean concession coming out of the Singapore summit. Top Trump aide is apologizing about that special place in hell comment aimed at the Canadian Prime Minister. And the ties, and I know, Joe, you mentioned this earlier, the ties between capitalism and charity. Mm. How about Trump's economic guy, Cudlow, who was defending him so yeah. uh, vigorously on the Sunday shows then had a heart attack? Yes. There's Yikes. a special hell for people who, <laughs> wait a minute, I'm going there. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Uh. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. For work or wherever you're going, um, we're uh, we're doing news early so we can talk to Ian Bremmer because we always like his thoughts on big world shaping events like the summit from yesterday. So he's coming up in Marshall's usual slot in about ten minutes or yep. so. So let's get the news with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump heading home after his historic nuclear summit with the North Korean leader Kim Jong Un. Trump on board Air Force One now flying home after your lengthy news conference this morning during which he called Kim smart and talented and said he would like to invite him to the White House. Now, the two men signed a joint declaration, and Trump has expressed confidence that it will lead to full denuclearization. And they are striking a deal to bring home the remains of U.S. servicemen who went missing during the Korean War. They want the remains of their sons back. They want the remains of their fathers and mothers and all of the people that got caught into that really brutal war which took place to a large extent in North Korea. And uh, I asked for it today, and we got it. That was a very last minute. Uh, the remains will be coming back. More- but that really is the Forgotten War. Yeah. I've yeah. read so many books about World War II and watched so many movies. Same with World War One. same with Vietnam, Iraq, both times. Every- I know almost nothing about the Korean War. And I'm a student of that sort of thing. For yeah. whatever reason, it just gets glossed over. Yeah, uh, so uh, I just heard Kim saying something really interesting at their press conference, um, and I'm going to ask Ian Bremer of the Eurasia Group about it coming up next, but uh, Kim was talking during that that joint statement where they're sitting side by side with flashbulbs going off about how hard it had been to get to this point, and that old attitudes and practices had gotten in the way, but those were gone now, and, and he really seemed to be talking about his side. Really intriguing. Hmm. Another story this morning. Oh, you know, it's worth mentioning, and yep. this is not an anti-Trump thing at all. you got to try. But promises to return the remains of the guys have been made multiple times in the past. And they send back a few, and then it's not clear how many they have or, or whatever. So whether that ends up in being a good thing or not, I don't know. Another story this morning. President Trump's trade advisor, Peter Navarro, has apologized for having said there is a special place in hell for Canadian Prime Minister Justin <laughs> Trudeau. You'll recall when he said this. There's a uh, special place in hell for any foreign leader that engages in bad faith diplomacy with President Donald J. Trump and then tries to stab him in the back on the way out the door. And that's what bad faith Justin Trudeau did with that stunt press conference. That's what weak, dishonest Justin Trudeau did. And that comes right from Air Force One. That's... And if he doesn't want to end up sleeping with Jimmy Hoffa in the Meadowlands, he might want to apologize. 
like quick. That is so Trump. I'd, I'd never heard that guy's act, but I saw him with uh, Chris Wallace right. on Fox, and I thought, right. wow. He's like he's, Scaramucci Light, isn't he? You are a good Trump spokesman. Well, Trump was furious after Trudeau and said at the end of the economic summit in Quebec that he wouldn't let Canada be pushed around in trade relations with the United States. During his presser, though, today... Trump didn't seem to be very forgiving. I have a good relationship with Justin Trudeau. I really did. Other than he had a news conference that he had because he assumed I was in an airplane and I wasn't watching. Did he say aeroplane? Yes. That's going to cost a lot of money for the people of Canada. (laughs) You can't do that. You can't do that. An aeroplane. (laughs) He assumed I was on my flying machine. (laughs) So you thought he held a news conference to talk about things in secret? Well, yeah, and, and, and what he said and the way he said it was incredibly meek and Canadian. I mean, it was it was like as belligerent as he's ever been, but it wasn't belligerent at all. I still don't get why Trump thinks this is such a big deal. I don't know. Odd. Fueled by a surging stock market and huge gifts from billionaires, charitable giving in the United States in 2017 topped the $400 billion mark for the first time. Interesting. That is according to the Giving USA report says giving from individuals, estates, foundations, corporations hit four hundred and ten billion dollars last year. That is more than the gross domestic product of countries like Israel and Ireland. And a lot of your people who give money work really hard to give it to places that are incredibly efficient with it. Mm-hmm. Like the Fisher House when we were working with them and places like that. And uh if it goes to the government, the government ends up send, you know, giving ten percent, ten cents on the dollar to whoever's supposed to get it. Sure, hands it out to cronies, squanders it. Turns out these are going to be the final days of Toys R Us, and the chain is marking down prices even further. The company said on Facebook that discounts now range from fifty to seventy percent, with what it calls some limited exceptions. The highest demand items like Nintendo and PlayStation video gaming systems have been gone for weeks. But Legos, How about hungry, hungry hippos? Legos, board games, Barbie dolls, Star Wars toys, Nerf guns, and other merchandise available at really low prices for shoppers who move fast. I used to cheat at Hungry Hungry Hippos when I was a kid. How do you cheat? Uh, my floor was less than level, so I would just make sure that I was on the downhill side, <laughs> uh. and gravity being the law, I would just allow the marbles to flow into my hippopotamus's right. mouth. Victorious again! I, I cheated, too. I, w- I would give the hippo speed so he wasn't hungry, hungry when it was the opponent's turn to play. Appetite suppressants. Toys R Us prices are lower than Amazon, Walmart, and Target right now. In some cases, they're even as low as Black Friday doorbuster sales. Yeah. A but lot I, of us don't need more toys. Yeah, I, But they didn't put a date like when the final closing day is. They do this whole story and they don't say, and your time will run out on. I wonder what will be the last toy on the shelf in each Toys R Us. What's the last thing anybody wants? There'll be Legos. Monopoly. <laughs> An there, old Monopoly game. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Ow. We like talking to, that was awfully loud. We like talking to Ian Bremmer. He's smart. He's sarcastic. Talking about the world. President and founder of Eurasia Group. He travels around the world constantly keeping monitor, uh, keeping track of what's happening. Well, a lot happening right now. Let's hear his opinion coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. The 
that anybody that takes over a situation like he did at 26 years of age and is able to run it and run it tough. I don't say he was nice. Yeah, I'd say he wasn't. I've got a one man uh, audience that I poll for opinions on Donald Trump from Trump voters. My one Trumpist that I talk to. I got this text from my brother yesterday. Um, not sure I like my president acting chumming with a dictator that watches hungry German shepherds kill his own relatives. Mm, from one Trumpist. Wow. This segment of the Armstrong and Getty Show brought to you by Potcoin.com. We welcome <laughs> the fabulous Ian Bremer to the show, the president and founder of Eurasia Group. Uh, Mr. Bremer, how are you, sir? I'm great. I, I, Potcoin futures are soaring right now, there's no question. Mm, that wouldn't take much. But uh, So listen, uh, as you may recall here on the Armstrong and Getty Show, we don't attack things from a partisan way. We just try to figure out what the hell is going on. As, as a gentleman who, who, who looks at the world in a similar way, your gut reaction, your initial reaction to the summit, please. Uh, very good for Kim Jong-un. Very good for Trump. Uh, very good for China. Probably very good for North Korea, too. Not clear how good it is for the United States, right, if you really want to look at things, right? Because Trump really wanted this meeting to happen. The G7 was a disaster. He really wanted to make history. He wanted to show a good relationship with North Korea. But the North Koreans haven't actually given the U.S. anything yet uh, in, in the terms of the summit. The, the Americans have, and it's not clear why, aside from the fact that Trump wasn't very well prepped. So, I mean, I think that you know, if you want to rate the summit, it's a big deal. Um, I think you'd say that for Trump himself, uh, probably going to help him in the midterms, help the Republicans in the midterms, makes him look a little stronger as a foreign policy actor. Um, but you wouldn't give it an A. I mean, you'd give it like maybe a B minus and an incomplete, and we'll see. Right. They can turn it into something really big if, you know, Pompeo, the Secretary of State, and the North Koreans then actually get uh, some commitments from the North Koreans to get some inspectors in and start moving towards uh, actually, uh, uh, you know, taking down some of their capacity to strike the U.S., but we, we're not there yet. Sure, sure. Now, you had a recent tweet unless in which you were quite complimentary of Trump's uh, accomplishments with North Korea thus far? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think that the reason that the North Koreans, uh, the, the big thing that's happened here is that we have a North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, that had not met with a single foreign leader, unless you count Dennis Rodman, <laughs> hadn't met with one, right? And then Trump does fire and fury. Then Trump pushes the Chinese to really strengthen sanctions, and Kim Jong-un is in a box. And, and, and as a consequence of that, Kim Jong-un starts reaching out. But the big news is not really the U.S. summit. The, the big news is that the Americans pushed hard, and then the North Koreans started reaching out to everyone on the Olympics, two summits with the South Korean president, two with the Chinese president. They just invited the Russian foreign minister. He was there last week. They showed up early, met with the Singaporean prime minister, did selfies with the foreign minister. Then they meet with Trump and probably a Putin summit very soon. That's a big deal, but we can't pretend that the United States is the country that comes out of this the ultimate winner, even though we're the ones that brought all of it uh, to pass. Well, let me quote Ian Bremmer from uh, CBS this morning. I think the biggest win is that six months ago we were talking about the possibility of military preemption against North Korea. It's almost an inconceivable now that there's a short-term risk of military conflict. So that's a good thing for everybody, isn't it? 
So in that regard, that, the biggest winner, humanity, the biggest winner, the South and North Korean people who were legitimately worried that they might face conflagration, and now they're not. I, I always thought it was a relatively low likelihood. We had some people, I mean, Richard Haas, friend of mine, runs the Council of Foreign Relations, he said 50% a few months ago. Um, it's now close to zero. That's a good thing, and Trump deserves some credit for that. So if if Kim Jong-un is anything like his papa and grandpapa, uh, what he is doing is playing for time, loosening his sanctions, a little hard currency to the regime, et cetera, et cetera. That'll buy him five, ten years more nuclear development. He probably doesn't need that. He probably needs nine months to get what he needs to really threaten us. Sure, but he gets cash to pay off the the critical uh, supporters of the regime, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how confident are we that uh, that uh, little fathead is is actually a, a new kind of Kim? We're not. Uh, there's no reason for us to be confident. I mean, I do think that Trump saying I trust the little guy is going to go down as one of the more extraordinary statements, right? I mean, just like uh, you know when Bush looked Putin in the eyes and said I saw his soul. Um, that was a mistake. Bush feels bad about that now. Trump even said in six months, maybe I'll get this wrong, but I'll come up with an excuse. I won't admit it. I, I thought that was that was exactly right. Trump said the truth uh, for once. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't there's no reason to trust the North Koreans. But it's also true that if the North Koreans don't let inspectors in, if they don't actually start dismantling at least some capability, um, then uh, this isn't going to go very far. And and by the way, the Chinese will be angry then, too. So I do think that this opening by the North Koreans does have to lead to some substantive concessions. But they're going to, in my view, they'll be nowhere close to Pompeo and Bolton's complete, verifiable, irreversible denuclearization. Like, that's just not going to happen. That Those words appeared nowhere in the joint statement. There was no complete and there was no verifiable. Uh, there was only denuclearization. And for the whole peninsula, which was very fuzzy and not very well defined, I got to say, if you're John Bolton right now, I know he's happy to be the national security advisor. This is not a deal that he would find acceptable. Well, it's a deal to make a deal, isn't it? Well, I mean, so here's what the thing that I didn't like about this. If I if I wanted to be critical, and, I, and my, my intention is not to be critical for Trump on this one, because I do think on balance, Trump's done a better job than other presidents so far. But if I wanted to be critical, I would say, damn it, Trump, because you didn't bother to prepare, because you refused to read and listen to some pretty good advisors, um, and you refused to let them carry the detail for you at the meeting, you ended up giving away the store and saying, we're not going to do any um, military activities, no exercises with the South Koreans. And by the way, he further said that they are expensive. Why are we spending all this money? And he further said that they're provocative. The North Koreans seem as provocative. They are provocative. He should have said none of those things. That severely undermines our relationship with the South Koreans and Japan, who count on the American umbrella. It does it in the absence of anything concrete that's a giveaway from the North Koreans in the summit. No one would have suggested that Trump do do that, and Trump did it because he doesn't know diplomacy. He, he, He doesn't care, and I think that's a mistake. So the problem is that even when he gets it right, he he shoots himself in the foot. He can't help it. Well, he ran on getting less, being less involved in the world, and that's what he won on. And he said that's what he's going to do, and that's what he seems to be. There, here's what I'm hoping. This, this is my biggest hope: is the is yeah. the little fat guy from North Korea 
actually had has had some sort of as a young man just change of heart, change of mind, where he thinks, you know, I don't want to live like my dad and my granddad. I don't want the country to continue to be that way. I want to be completely different. Any chance that happens? Um, yeah, absolutely there is. Uh, I mean, I, the fact that I'm not very, I'm not enormously happy with the way this initial summit went for the United States does not mean we can't get it to a really good place when the United States and the North Koreans start engaging in serious diplomacy. That could really happen. There is an opportunity for Kim Jong-un here. But I suspect the more likely outcome is that the lack of coordination between Trump and advisors means that the North Koreans see opportunities to obfuscate, to delay, to steal. They work more closely with the Chinese, that ultimately the Chinese become the, more, the most powerful actor in the region on this issue. So in other words, the same way that Obama kind of failed on Syria, and now the Syrians are completely in the hands of the Russians and the Iranians, Ultimately, I suspect, for all of his reasonably good intentions, uh, Trump is going to end up ceding the Korean Peninsula to the Chinese. Oof. Oh, boy. Ian Bremmer, president and founder of Eurasia Group on the line. It is my opinion that future historians, should peace and prosperity come to the per- uh, Korean Peninsula, uh, historians will hail Dennis Rodman as a great hero of humanity. I'm not asking you if I'm right. I'm telling you I'm right. <laughs> you are right. And nobody hustles the boards like Rodman. Absolutely. I mean, oh feel bad when he was crying last night. He's like, everyone gave me such a hard time for, you know, sort of meeting with Kim Jong-un and look, look what's happening now. I mean, you know, he came a little too early. This Dennis is- Rodman and Draymond Green need to uh, operate some sort of basketball camp that teaches kids to become really effective a-holes on the court. <laughs> this is also... Rodman is going to make some serious coin. And I mean actual coin. <laughs> pot coin. Um, if it turns out that this opens up, right? Because, I mean, he's definitely this, he's definitely bringing some NBA players regularly over to North Korea. He should have, yeah, he should have a resort named after him on those beaches Trump was talking about. <laughs> um, this, yeah. is, this is, I know at one point uh, Kim said this is like a science fiction movie. And it, it really is. I mean... We were watching cable news yesterday when they broke away from a... The Supreme Court had just released a a judgment. The cable news broke away for Dennis Rodman is now in Singapore, and they got microphones in his face. You know, while Trump is going to meet with the guy... I mean, it's all just... It's You go back 10 years, you just said, not a chance, bet you a million dollars that doesn't happen. So I just wonder where we're going from here. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's it's pretty extraordinary that Rodman is. Uh, I mean, I saw him. He was on CNN for you know a solid ten, fifteen minutes. I was asking myself, how did Fox News not get that exclusive? Right. Um, but uh, it is it is surreal. Uh, the fact that um, you, the G7 uh, summit would break down in complete disarray, the most important allies of the United States around the world, and then Trump would leave early and jet off to see Kim Jong-un, who is, you know, without any question, the world's uh, most grievous violator of human rights. Uh, running a, the only really totalitarian regime remaining in the world today, that's pretty extraordinary. No one, I think, thought they would live to see that. Um, and yet here we are. 
but it's but the world is changing very quickly, uh, and and we do have to recognize that not only is China soon going to be the world's largest economy, but also a hell of a lot of people in the West feel like their governments are not working for them, and they're voting on that, and they're protesting around that. And I, it does not surprise me at all that you're getting the kind of unusual policies that we're presently seeing coming out of the U.S., coming out of Europe. I mean, you saw the this week the big story out of Europe is the Italians closed all of their ports and said, we're not accepting any more refugees. The Syri- this, and the Spanish government had to take a boat. That, that's not going to work for long. And the Germans said, well, wait a second, maybe we need to make this more fair and work this out because we haven't, we haven't actually been proper leaders for our own people first. It's the same thing you're seeing happening in the United States. Awesome pressures and possibilities opening up around the globe. Ian Bremer, president and founder of Eurasia Group. We know how busy you are, Ian. Thanks a million for the time. Good to talk to you. Great talk to you guys. Thanks. I didn't realize it was so late. we got to take a break. Hell yeah. We're not going to have time to peter out. Heck no. Uh, I got responses to Ian's thoughts on the text line, which is 415-295-KFTC. I found him too anti-Trump and too pro-Trump. Yeah, though there's a lot of people that hate Trump that really don't want this to go, you know, to be good. Mm -hmm. Because it bothers them. Sure. I think that's happening. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. So some of you love Ian, some of you don't. Um, How can Ian Bremmer say the summit may not have benefited the U.S. when the possibility of military action went from 50% to 0%? That did seem like a contradiction to me. Uh, also, there's a lot of, you know, we didn't get this, gave away that, yet it was a better job than any of the previous presidents have done. It's, which, just, uh, it's all question marks at this point. It's promising. There's the wind of peace is blowing through the uh, the hallways of justice. What? <laughs> he can feel the, the, the breeze of freedom because he's got exposed knees. Right, because right. you're exactly. wearing a short suit. Yes. You wouldn't understand, jeans boy. Yeah. I'm wearing jeans with a jean jacket known as a, uh, what is that known as? A the ten- prisoner. The Tennessee tuxedo or something like that. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, I understand. Uh, and nobody knows where it's going to end. Completely different leaders taking a completely different tack with completely different tones. Than the past, where it ends, nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. Alexa, play something stupid and idiotic to waste my time. Okay, here's final thoughts with Armstrong and Giddy. Oh, <laughs> dismissive. Here's your host, Joe Getty. I love that. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Hey, Michelangelo, what's your final thought? Yeah, Toys R Us has a lot of toys on sale. Very, very cheap. So buy for your kids now and save them and give them a Labor Day. They'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Marshall Phillips, your final thought, All please. I can say is I'm going to go home and take a nap. Watching history is tiring. Yes. Positive, Sean. Your final yeah. thought for us? I have an old high school buddy uh, in from out of town visiting for the week. It was great to see him. Looking forward to uh, just tons of laughters with friends. Go call your friends. Say hi to your friends. They miss you. They're still your friends. That's right. Hey, Jack, what's your final thought? I'm glad Trump tried, uh, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think the most likely thing by far is the they delay for a couple of more meetings and then perfect getting the weaponized version of their H-bomb on a missile that they can hit us anywhere, and it's back to where we were before. 
My final thought is, speaking as a man wearing a short suit, I've contemplated the various ways I can get out to my car. Take off the jacket, leave on the jacket, loosen the tie, uh, just go with the jersey. There's no variation on this that doesn't look stupid. <laughs> it just, I look like a little boy at Sunday school. W- will you do the tie around the head like a Rambo thing? <laughs> no. Okay. I have dignity. We have Very picks. little. We have pics at armstrongandgetty.com. That's right. It, it actually looks better with the jacket on. You wouldn't think so, oh, yeah. but and it does. Buttoned, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so listen, viral video of the day, a couple of close friends pitted against each other. State high school baseball championship. One is the pitcher. His buddy is the batter. Only one of them can triumph. What happens next will shock you or bring a tear of joy to your face. A tear of joy. Or you'll recoil in horror. <laughs> or you'll throw up. <laughs> You gotta look. It's at armstrongandgetty.com. Oh, boy. We are wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Our email address is there. Our contact info. Stay in touch. If there's something we ought to be talking about, pass it along. Let us know what you thought of, uh, you know, whatever. What did Tr- uh, Stormy Daniels think of the summit? Oh, God. Does anybody ask her? Who cares? <laughs> See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a... Uh historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Then the show's over. What? Bye-bye. I'll wear panties and a little black dress. It should go fairly well. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.